At what point have we gone too far as a society? I mean, just a little too far in terms of what God intended. Hi, everybody. Brian Sussman here. Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. Don't forget my Instagram channel, at Brian Sussman Show. So let's just talk about some of the big issues in the news these days. Then I'm going to get to a story that I think is going to blow your mind. At first, you'll think, no, this is, this is not a real story. Brian, come on, do your fact check. This is not real. Fake news. Let's talk about where we are in terms of society. Male and female, it doesn't really matter any longer. It doesn't, chromosomes are not an issue. It's whatever you feel. I want to be a man. I want to be a woman. I want to be something in between. It's my choice, my life. Get out of my way. I will be called and referred to whatever I want to be called and referred to. So we've got that. And then we've got marriage. Marriage is a big deal in the United States of America these days. In fact, now we've, we've made sure the definition fits any particular arrangement. It doesn't have to be male and female. It can be anything you would like it to be. In fact, now we have a, a bill that's been signed by the President of the United States, the Respect for Marriage Act. There it is, done, codified. It's in law. The very first thing the God of the Bible did in the book of Genesis he created them male and female. We were created in his image, man and woman. And then the first very institution created by the God of the Bible was marriage between a man and a woman. See, those particular lines have been erased. And now it can look like whatever you want it to look like. We've, as a society, decided to fly in the face of the God of the Bible. So if you don't believe in that God, eh, I guess you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. But now we're going to into another realm because first he created them male and female. The God of the Bible did. Then he created marriage between a man and a woman. And then he allowed the woman to have a baby. It was a creation. It was, it was a procreative act between a man and a woman, Adam and Eve. The first male, the first female. Within that institution of marriage, they created a baby together. The baby was created in the womb of Eve. And it started the entire human race. Now, that's what the Bible says. But I guess if you don't believe what the Bible says, you can do whatever you want. And in fact, that's what we are now doing. Reading a story here from the Gateway Pundit. Generally speaking, a reputable operation. Uh, this is a story that initially seems like it's fake news, but you can do your research on this and you'll see that it is indeed a real story based on a real person who has a very real company. And now there are other outlets that uh, have taken this lead from Gateway Pundit and have done their own stories about this guy. The guy is named Hashem Al-Ghali. Hashem Al-Ghali is a molecular biologist, a science communicator. He's a producer. He's a filmmaker. He's a big thinker. He's got funding. He's based in Berlin, Germany. His company is Ectolife. Ectolife. E-C-T-O-L-I-F-E. Ectolife. Ectolife. 
something he's been working on for quite some time, Al Ghali. 50 years of groundbreaking scientific research has gone into this, even though I don't even think this guy is 50 years old, but there have been a lot of other people who have been working on this concept for a long time. So what is the concept? Well, it's, it's a solution for women who have had their uterus surgically removed due to cancer. Okay, so right off the bat, you've got heartstrings pulled. Wow, well, I've always felt bad for anybody with cancer. And think about the woman who has, has lost her uterus because of cancer. Wow, what can we do to help these people? Well, he's got the answer. It's called the first artificial womb facility in the world. It's essentially a, a high-tech incubator. And it's a high-volume high-tech incubator. 30,000 babies a year could be birthed in this incubation system. It's a perfect solution, Al Ghali says, for women who had their uteruses surgically removed due to cancer and other complications. Oh my goodness, well, wow, I mean, cancer, what else? How about premature births? Oh, gee, anything we can do to check off that box, check. And C-sections, I've heard C-sections are, are very traumatic, check. Population decline, I mean, there are countries around the world, he's telling us, that are in decline. It's a fact, check. Many other things as well, check, check, check. So right off the bat, this particular idea that seems so cyborg, that seems so transhuman, that seems like something from a scene in The Matrix or many other movies, suddenly that, which seems kind of creepy and something where I don't want to go, seems like something where I do want to go because, well, I mean, cancer and, and C-sections and premature births and I'll bet Birth defects are in here somewhere as well. Oh, they are. Oh, they are. Now, according to Al Ghali, around 300,000 women die from pregnancy complications around the world. Do you realize that his company, Ectolife, could actually help 300,000 women who would otherwise die from pregnancy? These are women who wanted to have babies, planned on having babies, were pregnant with a baby, and they died. My gosh, if you go back through my own family line, my great-grandmother died in childbirth when she gave birth to my uncle, Uncle Stanley. She died during childbirth. My dad grew up without a mom. He was two when this happened. The, the stories are heart-wrenching. Al Ghali's company can solve all of that. So I'm reading further here, and I'm finding another article. This is from an organization called Science and Stuff. Al Ghali says that his company, Ectolife, and, and the concept therein, could help replace natural childbirth altogether in the future. In other words, who wants all of these risks? We can have this product, where there would be hundreds of artificial wombs, Growth pods, as they call them, growth pods. Every pod is made to be just like conditions inside the mother's womb, they say. Ectolife allows your baby to develop in an infection-free environment. 
The pods are made of materials that prevent germs from sticking to their surfaces. Every growth pod features sensors that can monitor your baby's vital signs, including heartbeat, temperature, blood pressure, breathing rate, oxygen rate. The artificial intelligence-based system also monitors the physical features of your baby and reports any potential genetic abnormalities. In other words, if there's any potential genetic abnormality that is thought to exist, they can terminate the life of that baby. Now, again, I'm not a biologist, but I think I know a little bit about this stuff, especially in light of all we've learned during COVID. It would seem to me that when a baby is inside its mother's womb, that is not an infection-free environment for a reason, because when mommy has a cold, baby in the womb is exposed to that cold virus as well, or any virus. It, it helps build up that baby's immune system, right? So without that immune system that is being built upon the life of the mother, I'm just kind of wondering what happens to these babies in, in these growth pods. The pods I'm reading here are equipped with a screen that displays real-time data on the developmental progress of the baby. These data are sent directly to your phone. Oh my goodness, there's an app to track the baby's health from the comfort of your own zone. Well, that's what I want, comfort. I want to be able to sit back in my comfortable area, my zone, and look at my phone and say, wow, look at this baby progressing so wonderfully. The app also provides you with high-resolution live views of your baby's development. A special section of the app allows you to watch a time-lapse of your baby's growth and share it directly with your loved ones. So in a lot of ways, this, this shows people, this, this illustrates how people do really respect life in the womb. If we're, if we're having this much excitement and respect from life in, in a theoretical growth pod, what's really happening when a baby's in the womb? People get excited they're treating that fetus as if it is a real live baby because it is a real live baby, whether they want to articulate that or not. And listen to this. It gets even better. Ectolife will help you edit any trait you like for your baby, including customizing your baby's eye color, hair color, skin tone, physical strength, height, and level of intelligence. Hmm, my goodness. So I'm guessing... If you decided you wanted a child that, well, maybe you are ashamed of your particular race. Maybe you want a child that appears to be of another race. I guess you could do that. How about this? Physical strength and height. Wow. Do you realize what, what they're saying here, friends? Is that in the hands of, of, a, of a creep... I'm not even going to mention the creep's name, but somebody who had, for example, the initials A.H. Or, or let's go to uh, an, another country that's in existence this very day. It's been around for a long time, but uh, it's, it's currently run by a guy named, well, I won't, I won't give you his full name either. I'll just use the initials V.P., you know, V.P.'s country isn't really that large in terms of population. And I suppose nowadays, more than ever, if he wanted to, uh, you know, fend for himself properly, he could use a gigantic army 
of people with great physical strength and height and even level of intelligence. So maybe he'd like these, these birthing pods as a place to raise an army. Do you see where I'm going with this? This is creepy. And by the way, level of intelligence is included in, in the customizing procedure. And listen to this. There's an elite package. If you want your baby to stand out and have a brighter future, the elite package offers the opportunity to genetically engineer the embryo before implanting it into the artificial womb. They have something called the editing tool. You can edit any trait of your baby through a wide range of over 300 genes. By genetically engineering a set of genes, the Elite Package allows you to customize your baby's eye color, hair color, skin tone, physical strength, height, level of intelligence. It also allows you to fix any fix, any inherited genetic diseases that are part of your family history. Well, who's not going to want the Elite Package? Friends, again, this is not make-believe. I'm, I'm reading another article here from, uh, this is an article at Huffington Post UK's edition. They're speaking with someone who is, she's actually a pretty high creden highly credentialed person. Um, she is the head of reproductive science at UCL Institute for Women's Health, that's in London. She has a book called Your Fertile Years, a whole chapter dedicated to what the future of reproduction may look like. So she's a futurist in many ways. And she says, I have no doubt at some point, most people will be produced by in, in vitro fertilization. And ectolife would indeed be a possibility, she says. She said, in science, you should never say never. And she thinks back to, for example, when she was a kid watching Star Trek. She never thought we'd be doing video calls in her lifetime. And here we are today talking with our kids on FaceTime, she says. She goes on to say that the first four weeks of gestation can be completely completed in an IVF lab today. And now... Today, premature babies can be cared for from around 21 weeks on in an incubator with a neonatal unit. So a lot of what Al-Ghali is talking about is, is present technology. Another person they speak to in this article is Professor uh, Andrew Shannon. He's a professor of obstetrics, King's College, London. He says the video isn't as far-fetched as you would think. He said, from a theoretical standpoint, it's all possible. It's just a matter of providing a correct environment with fuel and oxygen. And I, I think the technologies there are able to achieve that. This is something that we're working on. We, I say that. I, society today, there are people in society today that are working on these very things. Professor Shannon also says, sure, there are all sorts of biochemical and immunological things that go on that we probably don't understand yet in relationship to antibodies passed on from the mother, as I was thinking about earlier. But he said this will require further research, but he says this is something we need to consider. We need to keep going down this road. Regarding the elite package, where babies will be genome edited to alter their hair color, skin tone, etc., Professor Harper thinks that future generations are going to be unfazed on these 
ethical issues. The professor thinks there's going to be a younger generation who's going to eat this stuff up. And I believe that as well. I believe in the name of technology, you will have people saying, this is cool. This is great. This is science. Of course, I want it. And I want it now. Do you realize that what I'm about to say here is going to be completely, completely turned off by some? Because they'll say, oh, here you go with that crazy Bible stuff again. Before you turn me off, just, just listen and you can make up your own mind. There's, there's nobody monitoring your brain right now. So this is a place where you can be open-minded in the sense that you're hearing a point of view that you wouldn't otherwise hear. Others of you are going to agree with me wholeheartedly on this, but let's just use this as a platform for speech and allow me to speak and, and share my heart. There was a time in history when people went too far. It was the days of Noah, the days of Noah. Now, for many today, the idea that the, the God of the Bible is good and beautiful and loving clashes with moments in the Bible where there is violence and judgment and bloodshed and in this particular case, a flood that destroyed the earth. According to the biblical account, which I believe, humanity had been around for less than 1,700 years. Uh, there are lots of different websites you can go to, to look these things up, but you can do the math on how many people might have been alive during that period of time. On the low end, I think the most credible mathematical research would tell you on the low end, there were 750 million people. And on the higher end, some are saying between four and five billion people. In either case, there were a lot of people on planet Earth when this flood came. The flood is found, the flood account is found in Genesis chapters six through nine. It's, it's super violent. And the story presented in those six through nine chapters really is part of a larger literary unit that begins in Genesis chapter one. You see, after Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, things began to spiral downward quickly. Yes, humanity multiplied, but violence reigned. The, the very first two children of Adam and Eve, what do we see? We see a murder. Cain, brother Cain, killed brother Abel. And one of Cain's descendants, Lamech, was his name in Hebrew, became a man renowned for violence. He even boasted of his exploits. Sin and evil intensified. As, as soon as we had multiple people on planet Earth, those multiple people said, yes, we've heard that there's a God in heaven. Adam and Eve have told us about that guy, but we don't want to believe. Now, there were some who continued to believe and some who had wonderful, robust relationships with the Lord their God. But others said, no, I want to be my own God. I don't want to listen to what he has to say. So, how would God react to this state of humanity? Humanity, Sin and evil, as I mentioned, only increasing. So just before the story of the flood begins, we, we read that in Genesis chapter 6, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth 
and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Did you hear what I just said? People rejected God and what was in their heart was evil. Constantly finding new ways to expand the rebellion against God. And we read in Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, that this grieved God to his heart. So God starts warning people. He takes a man named Noah, an imperfect man, just like all of us named Noah, who did have a great love for God. And he used him as the beacon of truth, essentially saying, friends, please repent of your evil ways. Because I'm just telling you, judgment is coming. And judgment came. And people watched Noah build this incredible ark. This gigantic boat. Big enough for all sorts of animals and his own family. And they thought he was a kook. But then it began to rain. And it rained. And it rained. And there was a flood. The story of the flood is one of God taking merciful action to restrain humanity's ever-increasing evil. Now, some might say, what kind of a God is this? Millions, maybe even billions died. Is that what you're telling us? And he's a loving God? I'll repeat what I just said. The story of the flood is one of God taking merciful action to restrain humanity's ever-increasing evil. Remember what I said? The book tells us, Genesis tells us, every intention of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. You see, the flood is about God's mercy and his commitment to the goodness of what he made. He allowed humanity to have a reboot. The flood wasn't an act of wanton destruction by a capricious God. It was the institution of God's goodness. He's saying, you know what? You people, I know you. You're never going to listen to me. There's one family who will. We are starting over. Now, let me continue with this because I hope you're going to hear what I have to say. And this is especially perfect for this Christmas season. In the flood account in Genesis, the wicked died and the righteous one was spared. That would be Noah and his family. With Jesus... Listen to me now. The wicked were spared and the righteous one sank beneath the waters of death. Unlike Noah, who floated upon those waters, Jesus did not escape the flood alive. The waters of death rose and they drowned him. Noah survived the flood by taking shelter in the ark. Jesus, Jesus, in his life and in his death and in his resurrection became a shelter for us, for all of creation. There was a reboot. And just as Noah lived, Jesus died for us. It was a merciful act on your behalf via God the Father. Now, friends, there's, mercy means not getting what you deserve. 
Grace means getting, getting something you don't deserve. And it's both of them. Grace saved you. Mercy spared you. The ultimate consequence for sin wasn't expressed by the flood. Instead, it fell to Jesus on the cross. Yes, the flood was violent. But it wasn't the work of a violent God. Rather, God took on flesh in the form of the Son, Jesus, and died a violent death at the hands of violent men, a death that became the very means he would use to save his enemies and usher in an eternal kingdom of peace. Now, the truth of the matter is this. Jesus is coming back. There's going to come a tipping point in society where he says, okay, enough, stop, I'm coming down now. Here's what Jesus says in the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verse 42. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming, but be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known At what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, Jesus says, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Some of you are saying, well, this is like a riddle. Why doesn't he just speak plainly? Because he wants you to plumb the depths of his word yourself to understand the riddle. This is something you can't, you can't go to Siri to or Alexis to or Google to. You need to go into his word and read these things for yourself and you need to come to him in prayer yourself to see about these things for yourself. Because just prior to what I was reading from Jesus in Matthew 24, he says this, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Friends, I just look at society and I think, are we going too far? There's going to come a tipping point. How close are we to that tipping point? And no matter how close we may be, are you ready? Are you prepared? What do you believe? Your, your, personal, your personal goodness is not going to get you into the kingdom. If you stacked all the things you did that were good, and maybe there were some great things you've done, versus all the bad things you've just thought, Are the scales really going to be balanced in the right direction for you? You see, Jesus doesn't play that game. He says, you come to me, all you who are are weary, and I will give you rest. I am the way, truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Believe and be baptized, and you will be saved. I and the Father are one. 
Friends, my, my Christmas time prayer for you is that you will just come to this conclusion for your own self. I don't know when this tipping point's going to occur, but it will occur. And I just want to make sure you are ready. As Bob Dylan once sang, by the way, there are people who say, well, Bob Dylan, yeah, he was a Christian, but he's no longer a Christian. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> Bob Dylan still does a lot of concert touring. He's a prolific a performer. He tours a lot. And uh, these past few months, as he closes out a set, he goes back to a song he recorded in the early 1980s, You Gotta Serve Somebody. That's his closing song. Now, he wouldn't be giving you this close, the last song he sings in a concert. He wouldn't be saying this unless he meant it. You gotta serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you gotta serve somebody. Who are you going to serve, my friends? Brian Sussman, Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. Thank you for joining me. I hope that you will consider uh, my website, briansussman.com, or my Instagram page, at Brian Sussman Show. God bless you. Thanks for listening.